Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, April 16th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The coronavirus outbreak is pushing the Eurozone's government debt to nearly match its gross domestic product. Wall Street continues to ramp up reserves to deal with loan problems, and new data show the scale of the U.S. economic breakdown. Plus, the FT's Hudson Lockett will tell us why China's central bank has cut one of its most important lending rates to a record low. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Last month, the ECB decided it was going to shake off its bond buying limits as it moved to buy almost 900 billion euros of extra bonds this year. It helped stave off another eurozone debt crisis. But a forecast from the International Monetary Fund on Wednesday showed that the response to coronavirus is sending eurozone government debt towards 100% of the single currency area's GDP. The IMF predicted euro area gross public debt will rise by around 800 billion euros from 2019 to 2020. That would leave it at 97.4% of GDP, well above the levels reached during the sovereign debt crisis. Central bankers and economists warn that the debt burdens could still stifle how much the fiscally weaker member states would grow. The IMF's fiscal monitor shows that Greece has the highest debt burden this year out of all the Eurozone countries. A number of other states, including Italy, France, and Spain, some of the Eurozone countries hit hardest by the coronavirus, will have debt piles above 100% of GDP. It'll be as high as 155% in Italy, and all this might then strain the Eurozone's economy as a whole. Economists worry that the current crisis will hurt fiscally stretched countries, especially those in the South. The heavy debt loads might stop them from being able to invest in a robust recovery. As one analyst put it, the current shock may be symmetric, but the policy response might be asymmetric because of different fiscal spaces in different countries. Yesterday marked another day of volatility in global equity markets. Investors reversed their optimistic tone from recent trading sessions after taking in a batch of poor economic readings and first-quarter earnings from some of Wall Street's biggest banks. More on the banks in just a bit. The economic data came from all corners of the U.S. economy, and it showed the scale of the collapse in industrial activity, consumer demand, and confidence. According to the Federal Reserve, industrial production—this is a broad gauge of output from factories, mines, and utilities—fell 5.4% from February to March. This is its worst performance since 1946. Retail sales numbers were lower, too. The FT's economics editor, Brendan Greeley, explains what this mix of bad economic data means for the U.S. over the next few months. It tells us that what's happening is a broader shutdown than people just not being able to go to stores, that there is um, something that we knew about and we'd seen in the unemployment insurance claims data, something that we'd seen hints of in March's unemployment numbers as well. But to see it right there on the industrial production numbers, this is one of the oldest data sets that, uh, that we have. To see a drop that stark in manufacturing means that 
what started as an inability to go to the store uh, is turning into a much broader slowdown. Now, if we look at the retail numbers, they're also historically low. Even though we expected them to be bad, are still so sobering is that normally in a recession, you get a hard pullback in manufacturing as business confidence fades, and you get a softer pullback in retail. That's because even though people are buying few things and they're putting off big purchases, you still, even in a recession, have some economic activity. You're still going out and buying. So when we see a drop like this, it means that you have, in a way, the worst of any kind of recession that's hitting retail so hard, but you also still have the manufacturing recession that you'd normally see uh, and did see uh, in 2009, in 2001. So Brendan, what does this data mean as we get deeper into the second quarter? So there was one other data set that came out yesterday. The Federal Reserve produces a beige book about six times a year, and it's a collection of anecdotes. One thing really stood out to me. All districts, here we go, I'm reading directly from the beige book, all districts reported highly uncertain outlooks among business contacts with most expecting conditions to worsen in the next several months. That means that businesses looking at this, they're trying to figure out whether it's going to be a V-shaped recession or whether it's going to be a U-shaped recession. That means sharp snap down, sharp snap back up, or whether it's going to be longer and more delayed. What the Beige Book told us is all of the business owners out in America who are thinking about this and looking at their own books, looking at their own data, talking to their own contacts, are saying, we expect this to get even worse from now. It's hard to imagine worse from now, but that is what business owners are telling the Fed, and we should pay attention to that. Yesterday, we got a clearer picture of the potential toll coronavirus could take on the financial sector. In the first quarter, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and Citigroup set aside nearly $13 billion in loan losses provisions, and executives warned there could be more to come. That brings the total on Wall Street up to $25 billion if you take into account Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase, which reported on Tuesday. The banks are ramping up reserves to deal with expected corporate and consumer loan problems. Goldman Sachs Chief Executive David Solomon said the bank is planning on an assumption that it'll be operating in a recession through 2020 and into 2021. And China's central bank has cut one of its most important lending rates to a record low as Beijing seeks to cushion the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. The move by the People's Bank of China comes ahead of tomorrow's release of first quarter gross domestic product figures. It's expected to show the first official year-on-year decline since 1976. Hudson Lockett, our Asia Capital Markets correspondent, has more on the interest rate cut and how it fits in with other measures by China's central bank. So the cut to this, it's called the medium-term lending facility rate, is important for two reasons. First, it's the latest in this kind of steady drumbeat of easing measures from Beijing. It lowers the cost of borrowing for Chinese banks and, and kind of encourages them to loan at lower rates. Now, second, the MLF rate sets the floor for the loan prime rate, which is China's new lending benchmark, which was introduced last year and which will be announced on Monday. So the LPR is actually this weird kind of hybrid. It's an average of lending rates from commercial banks that they extend to their best customers. But the floor for the LPR is set by the MLF rate, which was cut on Wednesday by 0.2 percentage points. And since the introduction of the LPR, every time the the MLF rate is cut, the LPR follows. So now we're all but certain to see a fall of about 
0.2 percentage points in China's benchmark lending rate on Monday. And the question now is, is, is sort of what's next. And many economists expect that cuts to China's benchmark deposit rate seem pretty much inevitable at this point. Now, why is the deposit rate the next step for the People's Bank of China? A cut to the deposit rate would track with what people have told the FT from our scoop last month, basically, in that Chinese bank profits are under serious pressure as they're sort of carrying out Beijing's orders to lend to struggling companies and at lower rates and to accept more bad loans on their books as companies in China are desperate for liquidity. Now, the liquidity problems faced by China's companies was illustrated by a decision to suspend trading in a bond issued by HNA. This is China's largest private aviation business. Hudson, tell, tell me what happened and how this company has been brought so low. So what happened on Wednesday was that trading in a bond issued by H&A Group was suspended. The Shanghai Stock Exchange said trading in this seven-year bond was initially halted shortly after open due to what they called abnormal fluctuations. And then after a brief resumption, it was stopped again after the bond fell below 30% of its par value. What's sort of tricky, though, is you can't quite apply the situation at H&A to all the other big Chinese companies simply because H&A's downfall is sort of in large part due to this incredible acquisition spree that turned quite badly for the company in recent years. Now, the director of one Shanghai-based brokerage that I spoke to said that investors may have been using H&A's bonds to speculate on the fate of Hainan Airlines, the airline it owns. Now, the country's aviation regulator said on Wednesday also that carriers had suffered a record loss of about 33 billion RMB in the first quarter of the year after the pandemic cut demand for flights. So what the director uh, I, I was speaking to said is simply that there's always hot money going in and out of these bonds. But he also added that H&A would probably receive a government bailout to prevent its collapse if needed, because Beijing doesn't really want to see high profile issues of this type in the current environment. So if Beijing is willing to step in and save a group that's as embattled as HNA, it's at least as likely to step in and bail out the other airlines, which are carrying no such baggage from questionable investments abroad. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. This is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.